The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our Paragon for today. So this time in Paragons of Change we have our 15th Paragon. Let's welcome Paula Deming. Welcome, Paula. Hello, thank you. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. 15th. Now, one of my favorite numbers is 16. So, if only you had had me one guest later, I could have been my favorite number. Just pretend. I'll pr- we'll <laughs> pretend I'm 16, and then the next person you talk to, just call them 15. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see who is the next one. So, uh, if they are up to it, then fine. <laughs> you can both be 15 and half. Let's <laughs> Perfect. A good compromise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, still not 16, but anyway. Uh, If people don't know who you are, who are you? And what do you do, especially in the board gaming sphere? A great question. I bet a bunch of people don't know who I am. My name is Paula Deming. Uh, I make the board game sketch comedy series called Things Get Dicey, which is just Mm -hmm. little short comedic videos about the tabletop board gaming hobby that you can find on YouTube. I do a variety of other things in the board game world as well. I am on the This Game is Broken podcast, uh, which was actually a new thing that happened to me this past year. And Mm -hmm. I contribute to Watch It Played. 
uh, and I stream board games on Twitch on my own personal Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Paula Deming, but also every week along with Matthew Jude on the Gen Con TV Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Gen Con TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you said things get dicey. You've been doing that almost exactly two years, right? Yes, If almost. I remember a, yeah, right. that's exactly right. My anniversary of the first video we released was on, I think, like February twelfth or thirteenth, right before Valentine's Day. So almost two years ago, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the topic of that one was the best topic you've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> Because it it touches every single board gamer in some way. Yeah, that uh, now you know, it's funny, I made that video about analysis paralysis. And when I made it, I thought I was making jokes about other people, but I have learned since, um, <laughs> because I'm playing games more publicly now. I was like, wow, I have become very aware of my own analysis paralysis. And it's bad. I have it bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not wrong. If you like to think things, you like to think things. We just have to cope. Yes. <laughs> I just get like, when I have too many uh, options, I get really like bogged down in, oh no, I, what direction should I go in? Um, and yeah. then I can't make a choice, which is why I always, I really like when a game gives you like a starting objective You're like, okay, at least I know in my first couple of turns something to work toward. And if I shift that as the game goes on, great. But that helps me mm -hmm. a lot in my first few turns. If I'm like, okay, I have a secret objective and it's to get orange resources. So I'm going to focus on that first, you know. So that helps me yeah. a lot. I'm actually the same. If there are evenly good um, options that you can do three different things, but all of those are evenly good. Mm -hmm. And then you have to consider the further impact of those choices i'm the same i might think too long yes <laughs> because i don't want to make a mistake that carries right? over to a further part in the game it's exactly. really, really bad sometimes but we are not here to talk about analysis paralysis true so we're talking about you and your past year mm -hmm. how has year 2020 and this beginning of 2021 been for you oh boy how was 2020 i feel like it's such a loaded question <laughs> um 2020 is really, I know we're here to talk about change, and um, I saw a lot of change in maybe some of the obvious ways, but maybe in some less obvious ways as well. Um, I actually ended up getting a lot more work in 2020 because a lot mm -hmm. of, because we were all kind of have been stuck at home, I think a lot of people have been seeing this new need for online content, and that was things I was already doing. And so more opportunities for that really started to open up for me in 2020. Uh, I, a, a lot of things got, got added to my schedule in 2020. I started streaming for Gen Con TV. I started mm -hmm. uh, being a regular cast member of This Game is Broken. And I began contributing to the YouTube channel Watch It Played. And those were all three pretty big and new things for me that actually have allowed me to take my board game content creation pretty much full time. Um, mm -hmm. Before 2020, I was working. So I'm in Los Angeles and I'm here for my acting career. Um, but I was also mm -hmm. working for like eight years uh, at a visual effects company. 
And I did a variety of things at the visual effects company. I was a visual effects artist, and then I was a coordinator, Mm -hmm. and then I began working as a recruiter. And then right at the end of 2019, I left that job because I wanted to be able to focus more of my time on things get dicey. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when 2020 started, so I was newly like trying to do board game content full time. And then in the course of the year, I, I really have begun doing it pretty full time. Takes up all my time, just every single bit of time, <laughs> every single minute of my day. <laughs> so over, over time even. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely overtime. <laughs> I don't pay myself overtime, though, which is an issue. I'm, you know, should uh, complain to upper management about the way I treat myself when I work. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have human resources department? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sadly only me and I am the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't you can't even go to complain to anyone I that you work too much. It's true. <laughs> Maybe you can hire a HR person. I need to. I need to hire someone to remind me to uh, stop working sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> call service. They call you that now. Stop working. Exactly. Have a break. Yeah, now is the time. You have to stop now. It's seven o'clock. Stop working. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a long day, actually. Yeah, it is. I realized as I said it, I was like, that's even still. I should really stop at <laughs> six. But. <laughs> yeah. L- latest. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you join This Game is Broken, like like a full member? Was it also about a year ago? It was, yeah. So we started talking about it, uh, me joining the cast, right around this time last year. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think we recorded a few episodes and then in March of 2020, I was over in England. I got to be a guest at Aircon, which I feel Mm -hmm. really lucky to have been able to do because it's one of the (laughs) last things. Like I literally came home from that trip and then was in, uh, lockdown. Um, but while we were at Aircon, we did a live, this game is broken show and it was the first like announcement or reveal that I was going to be joining the cast as a full-time member. So that was just in March of last year. And then my first podcast episode that we recorded went live uh, on April 1st. So almost exactly Mm -hmm. a year ago for that as well. No, that's actually cool. You have anniversaries. Yeah. (laughs) I can only remember it because it was, uh, I guess, yeah, the beginning of the year, uh, I guess I start a lot of new things. February is things get dicey. I guess April yeah. is officially this game is broken. So yeah, all these things kind of line up. Yeah, but if you count from the live show in Aircon, maybe That's that was true. earlier then. That's true because that was in yeah. March. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. But which one came first? Uh, what's it played or GenCon TV? Um. Feel like they started so you know what the conversations about watch it played started first um mm-hmm. i started talking with chaz at, when he was just focusing on paradise paradise at pax unplugged in 2019 so in mm-hmm. december of 2019 he started talking about some ideas he had for some shows we could do that he was interested in maybe having me um join in on and once we started it mm-hmm. with that, then from there it kind of grew into, I think we're going to transition these shows from Paradise Paradise over to the Watch It Play channel. 
because Rodney and Chaz, mm-hmm. I think, had been talking for, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I think they had been talking for a while about wanting to collaborate together because they're good friends. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Matthew, Jude, and I, who had started working with Chaz on his channel, luckily were able to be sort of like brought along for the ride there mm-hmm. and get integrated into Watch It Played. So those conversations started happening at the end of 2019, but we didn't actually start going being on the channel watch it played i think until like may so there was a april or may so there was a little time it took to um make that come to fruition i guess and the gen con Mm -hmm. conversations i remember i was on the dice tower cruise in january of last year Mm -hmm. And I got the email from Gen Con TV that Matthew Jude and I had pitched them. Hey, we have this live stream show we think we could do. Here's how we think it would work. It would involve digital. We were already pitching to them. Hey, it would involve digital board game playthroughs because we live so far Mm -hmm. away from each other. It's the only way we can play games together. And we were like, we think people would tune in and watch it. And then I found out in January on the Dice Tower Cruise that they wanted to go forward with the show. And mm-hmm. so then it was, okay, well, when do we start doing that? And that actually started in April as well, because I was like, well, I have this trip in March over to England, so we should really probably wait to start doing the weekly streams until after I'm back, because we won't be able to stream while I'm in England, and we don't want to start the show and then take like two weeks off and then come back to it. Let's wait until we can start the show. So it kind of all, I'm realizing just now how much all of those things kind of all happened at the same time, which is maybe why 2020 felt a little overwhelming to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How has it been working on or creating content for What's It Played? It's a big yeah. channel. And Dave, uh, Rodney was doing mostly this um, What's It Played, so how to play videos and such. Mm-hmm. And now there are news and you're doing some top tens and Mm-hmm. Some kind of other like variety shows. Yeah, I've noticed that the channel output has changed a lot. Yes, especially since the summer. Yeah, so it's neat. I feel like the channel is is trying to kind of pivot into something you want to tune into, no matter what they're putting out. For me, when I think about a mm-hmm. how to play video. I'm not necessarily watching just every how to play video that a YouTube channel puts out because I only want to watch the videos that relate to the games I actually want to learn how to play. Yeah. But when we're putting out this more like entertainment-based content now, now there's a reason to watch the videos that that channel puts out more consistently, or I hope there is. That's that's the goal. And it's been really, it's been really great. Uh, something that I really appreciate about Rodney Smith is he basically has said to me and and the whole team like I really like the work that you do and Mm -hmm. I want to facilitate you being able to do more of that so rather Mm -hmm. than saying hey make this kind of thing exactly how I want it I mean he has production value standards you know he wants it to be a certain it needs to be of a certain quality of course but the actual substance Mm -hmm. of the content he's like I like you and your ideas. How can I help you make more of your ideas? And it's so, it's, it is, it's so validating and so encouraging to have someone say, I just want to facilitate your creative endeavors. Mm. And it's really rare to have that opportunity. It is. It's so rare. And I just feel really grateful. Um, 
I mean, in a way, I don't want to gush too much, but in a way, I really think I see Rodney as almost like a mentor mm-hmm. in the in the board game media sphere. He's been around. I mean, he's obviously very established. He's got like the third largest YouTube channel about board mm-hmm. games, and it's incredibly amazing to be asked to be a part of it. It's such a bigger platform than what Things Get Dicey mm-hmm. has. Yeah. And it really allows me as well. I- I've been trying to keep my own personal YouTube channel where I do Things Get Dicey really focused on just that kind of content like people are subscribing for my comedy Mm -hmm. short videos and even if I have other ideas like well it might be fun to do videos about this or that or whatever I was like I don't know if I want to branch out on my own channel in that way because I don't know if that's what my subscribers necessarily want Mm -hmm. to see and so it's so cool to have a place where I can do other styles of content that's excellent. Which I'm good. getting to do for Watch It Play. You know, I'm getting to do these fun, silly, collaborative top 10 countdowns. And I'm actually very soon going to be starting a playthrough series on mm-hmm. the channel, um, which should be. I just sent Rodney today. Here's some insider information. I just sent Rodney <laughs> today my export of the first episode and was like, I think this is ready to be uploaded whenever you want to. Take a look. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you think. <laughs> And it's so cool. Was it like, I was like, wow. I, yeah. Is it Rodney? Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully people will like it. We'll see. Maybe I'm saying this and we're like, actually, that YouTube series never, that playthrough series never ended up going anywhere because the viewers hated it. Uh, we'll find out. But it's neat because that's, I'm getting to do such a variety of board game content now mm-hmm. on a channel that, one, like we said, encourages my creativity which is so cool and two is going to get a lot more eyes on it honestly than my own personal channel will and it's just been really neat i'm really grateful it's a really cool team i mean just working with we have you know bi-weekly meetings with me and rodney and Chaz and matthew and they're just such fun meetings like we'll spend half the time just like hanging out and it's so nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be like wow I feel lucky to be surrounded by other creative people who I feel like understand me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I rambled. <laughs> no, no. It, uh, it was about the thing that you said before the meeting. I, I really lost my thought. <laughs> I, I'll ask later. But how about for TenCon okay. TV? How has it been to stream? Um, you're doing it, how often are you doing it? Once a week or once in two weeks? Or do you do it yeah. on a schedule? So, f- mm-hmm. so for Gen Con, I stream once a week. Mm-hmm. That's every Wednesday. And right now it's like at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time every Wednesday, which is like 9.30 p.m. GMT. Um, and that's been really cool. The thing that that has brought into my life is just the ability to play more games. Uh, there are a lot of games that were released in 2020 that I would not have been able to play. One, except for the fact that the publishers made digital versions of them. So I was able to play them on platforms like Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator. Mm-hmm. And two, I have a reason to play those games because I get so busy with work. 
sometimes you go, well, now that I'm making videos about board games, I don't have time to actually play board games anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But now it's my job to play board games. And so I've gotten to try all kinds of games that I wouldn't have been able to try otherwise or styles of games because, you know, I play these games with Matthew Jude and we have some board game tastes that line up and are very similar, but we have some that are very different. He really likes like dry Euros and I really like like dice chucking Ameritrash games. So it's really allowed me to try games that I wouldn't have played otherwise. Mm hmm. Because Matthew's like, oh, I'm interested in this game. And I'm like, I mean, it looks real boring, but okay. And then we play it. I'm like, wow, that was actually really good. <laughs> oh, you're right. Steffenfeld does do good <laughs> game design. You know, <laughs> Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big difference I think it's made in my life. I went back and calculated, like, how many new games did I play in 2020? It was something like 30 new games. Mm-hmm. I never would have played that many new games before i just wouldn't have without this weekly need to play a new game for gen con Mm -hmm. um so that's been a really cool thing that that stream has added to my life this year yeah you said that you use tabletop simulator and tabletop Mm -hmm. do you play i mean are you do do you stream from board game arena or yukata.de or 18xx Mm -hmm. games or any other platforms or just those two Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator are the main ones that I use. I've used Board Game Arena a couple of times, Mm -hmm. um, and that can be very handy. To me, Board Game Arena feels more like I'm playing an app Mm -hmm. than I'm playing an actual game. And something that I do really like about Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia is they're more of like a physics sandbox. Mm -hmm. So I can more in Tabletop Simulator than Tabletopia, but in like Simulator, I can like kind of pick up a piece and chuck it across the table (laughs) or there's something about it that I still can almost almost trick my brain into feeling like I'm playing a board game Mm -hmm. instead of just playing a computer game yeah I personally um, like board mm -hmm. game arena more because it's scripted so you can't make rules mistakes so that's the cool thing in learning new games especially yes I 100% agree with that I was actually played the crew on board game arena really recently Mm -hmm. and it was really nice because it just like it deals out all your stuff for you it it handles the shuffling it handles all the like you don't have to look and be like okay wait which tokens do we need to grab to represent (laughs) it just does that for you and then it'll also tell you like you can't play that card (laughs) and you're like oh cool that's handy so that is really a nice thing about games on board game arena yeah. Is it does, it keeps you from, it It kind of, I don't want to say hold your hand, but it does a little bit kind of hold your hand, especially when you're first learning a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can play Seven Wonders in five minutes there if you're all at the computer. So that's also a bit Ooh, faster. I should try like. Seven Wonders on Board Game Arena. Yeah, it works really well. And some other games also work, but especially these card games or things with lots of pieces. Yes. They are so quick to play on Board Game Arena. That is definitely a nice thing because that is one thing like card games or any game where you have to like stack cards on top Mm. of each other in like Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator can be honestly a real nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine playing Dominion or something on Tabletop Simulator. Oh yeah, no way. But that one does work really well on Board Game Arena. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Yeah, That's true. This game is broken. It has probably probably been fun for you, I assume. Yes, 
It has been. <laughs> yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah, I I think it was a good thing for you, perhaps, that you joined these many channels last year, because I don't know how it would have been otherwise last year, if you didn't have this online streamings and content creation and podcasts to record and games to play online and everything. Do you think it would have been easier or more difficult last year? Oh, ah, uh, that's such a good question. I think that I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. On the one hand, mm-hmm. having all these things to do kept me busy, mm-hmm. and that is good and bad. Uh, <laughs> I feel very busy right now, and I'm actually focusing really hard on how to bring a little bit of balance back to my life because I never leave the house, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. and I work from home. It's I kind of feel like I always need to be working. Mm. Um, which is not the healthiest thing. I need to remember like that it's okay to take time to relax. Um, that's important. But on the other hand, staying busy has helped me get through this year where so many other things that I loved and used to do, I couldn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do a lot of improv. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't done improv in over a year now because my groups can't get together, you know, so I haven't been performing live. I haven't been getting together with my performance groups. So that sort of got traded out for getting together with my podcast groups, you know, mm-hmm. being able to see them online and having a, a reason to get on Zoom and see people's faces and interact with them. And it's not a substitute for seeing people in real life, but it has helped a lot. I I miss my friends, but I still get to see them all the time mm-hmm. because we're working on things together. And that has been helpful, you know, especially because, like, we lost all of our opportunities to travel last yeah. year. So all the times I would have spent at a convention playing board games and seeing my friends, as we all know, we didn't have those opportunities. But I get to get online and play a game with them. Mm-hmm. Uh or when we do uh, this this other new thing uh, that I've just been a, been lucky to be a part of, the Tabletop Live Network is a marathon of board game streamers that's been happening monthly on Twitch, and mm-hmm. that's organized by Nick Murphy, Mike Murphy, and Ruel Gaviola. Mm-hmm. And that has been the closest thing for me personally that I have found in like a board game convention. So we've had all these online conventions, and none of them to me really have felt like the experience I want to have at a convention. But this marathon of streaming that I've been able to participate in the last three or so months, I've been, I was like, wow, this is the closest I feel to actually like attending a convention right now. I'm getting up way too early for it. (laughs) Uh, I'm gathering with my friends to play board games. I'm watching other people play board games and I'm doing it for like 24 straight hours. And it feels so like connected and community based just the way I feel when I'm at a convention. And so that has been something that has really helped me, I think, not feel so lonely <laughs> this <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's good for mental health also. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. Uh, how about you said that it felt like convention. Have you 
joined or participated any of these online conventions or digital cons and if you have what do you think about them yeah i was lucky enough to be asked to participate in a few so i did a few events in the in gen con online uh you know we streamed uh our regular show that we do for gen con and we also did a live this game is broken that mm-hmm. we streamed as part of that which was amazing it was very cool but i didn't interact much with like people just randomly trying to get together and play games together uh i mostly just interacted with the live shows Mm -hmm. um and then i also participated in shucks online which is the shut up and sit down uh convention that they did online this year Mm -hmm. i did like two of their live streams so i've been lucky to participate in that way and it's been really fun but in terms of interacting with those online conventions in like, oh, I'm going to go into a Discord and look for people who are demoing a game or get together with a random group and play a game together. I haven't really connected in that way. Mm-hmm. And that might just be because I'm already playing games online with people every week anyway. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I needed that from an online convention. I'm doing that as part of my work. Um, but... I don't know. There is something about online conventions. I don't think they've quite found, for me, I don't think they've quite found their thing yet. I think everyone's trying to make it too much like a regular convention, but an online situation is so different. And I kind of think we need to be focusing on what makes, what's different about the online experience and lean into that. Mm-hmm. But I also couldn't really tell you what that is. Like, I don't necessarily have, like, a plan in my head of how they should all go. I just think it's a it's a tricky <laughs> thing. And none of them have quite felt like actually attending a convention to me. But maybe that's just my own personal experience. There may be people who have attended the online conventions and, and really, really enjoyed them. Yeah, I think the people who couldn't attend any convention physically, they might enjoy these online conventions. That's a really good point. For me, I haven't attended any. I tried, but as you said that you work from home, I also work from home. And I really Mm -hmm. don't want to spend my weekend sitting in front of the computer if I can do something else. Yes, I, yeah, (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, especially not in a convention. I can do some other stuff, but not sit at the computer for the whole weekend. It's just too right. much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how has Corona situation been where you live? It's now vaccination time, and have you been vac- vaccinated already, or are you in line, or how is it going? What's the situation now in California? Oof. It's not great here. Um, so I'm in Los Angeles. It's a huge county. There's a ton of people here, and COVID has been very bad. (laughs) We're in, I mean, after the holidays, it just really exploded here. Uh, We had, like, no hospital beds. I mean, it's, it's, we're in a rough spot, yeah. Um, And vaccinations have started to roll out to essential workers and healthcare workers. Right now, I am in the category of like the very last category (laughs) that is set to receive anything. So I'm hoping I'll get my first round of vaccination over the summer, maybe by August. Mm -hmm. But I I honestly don't, I don't know. Um, 
But I know other people who have gotten theirs, um, you know, people who I know who are considered essential workers or, like I said, working in healthcare or childcare, starting mm-hmm. to get theirs. Um, and so that's making me hopeful. I know eventually I'll get it. I just hope that it happens in a somewhat timely manner because <laughs> oh, I miss traveling so much. Yeah. I want to go visit my family. They live across the country from me. They're in Florida. And I had hoped that I could do that in January. But like I said, after the holidays, everything was so... We had such a surge in cases that I was like, I don't feel safe Mm. getting on a plane. I actually don't know. Like, California started being like, if you leave, we might not let you back in. You know, like, and I was like, (laughs) I should just stay here. (laughs) I, I, yeah. So I'm really hoping... There will be some marked improvement no. soon. Actually, yeah, it's the rough here. Vaccination schedule is similar here. Mm-hmm. That we who are last in the in line, we would get it at the end of the summer or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I'm afraid is that they are now vac- vaccinating the essential people in January mm-hmm. and February, and it's half a year uh, until the last people have been vaccinated. So basically, the uh, essential workers have to get the new vaccination then already because the corona probably has mutated at that point. So I'm just afraid mm. that we will be in a constant loop of two vaccines a year. And yeah, kind of like the is, flu shot. N- yes, kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that wouldn't be good. But let's hope the situation gets better. Let's hope. It's so bizarre, isn't it? What a strange time in history that we are living through. Yeah. There is something... I mean, I have. There is a lot to be sad about in the last year. There's a lot of sad things that have been that have come with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But one thing that is kind of, I don't know. I guess borderline uplifting. Maybe it's a little bit uplifting in a way. Is to, I think about how, as a as a global community, we are all kind of experiencing this same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's connecting us all in a way. And I find that really, I guess, interesting is maybe the best word for it. I, I don't want to say, like, look at this good thing that came out of coronavirus. <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Yeah. <laughs> that might be overstretching. Yeah. But it's an interesting global connection that we all have now. Yeah. And also it has brought people closer, I mean, easier together because of these technologies like Zoom and Google Meet yeah. and Skype and everything mm-hmm. has been improved a lot because I remember yes. when we were kicked out of the university that you have to work from home. We had a mm-hmm. limit of 100 people in our Zooms. So when we tried to give lectures to 500 students, it was mm-hmm. not possible. But yeah. those were fixed really quick. So it seems that these technology companies also put so much effort into making people easier to people to contact the other people and you can do it across the globe so basically it has brought the world closer together but then again it has divided the people within same area so that they can't go close to each other so it's a bit absurd situation but yeah interesting yeah exactly it is it's yeah Oh, yep. 
But yeah, in 2020 there were other things also besides Corona. That, yeah, it was a they, year. Yeah, but they were not global situations. So true, that's true. They were more mm-hmm. maybe continent-wide <laughs> issues. <Yeah. laughs> Especially you had some stuff there in the summer and oh, boy. E- even in November and this January. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's been a, let me tell you what, it's been a mess here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's been really interesting to watch from outside, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's a curious thing to think about how I view it as someone who is, a, you know, an American citizen and how it must look to people outside of yeah. us. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's too much. <laughs> it, it's look like, it looks like bad reality TV, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's you know what it feels that way to me too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been maybe that sure been something. Yeah, I hope it gets better. Also, I do too. Yeah, I think I think it will. I hope it will. I hope that this year has revealed that. There are a lot of issues that I think we like to pretend don't exist, but I don't think yeah. we could ignore them this year because That's there was true. nothing else to think about. We were all stuck at home. And I hope that as we go forward, we take these growing pains and we don't just sweep them back under the rug again. I hope that we really take what will probably be messy and painful steps forward mm-hmm. to ultimately get to uh a more fair and overall happier society. And I hope that we are in the middle of finding that here. Um, I'm going to try and be optimistic about it and say that. Yeah. I hope you're in the middle and not in the beginning because it will last Me long. Too. If you're still in the beginning, you've been doing yeah. so much processing. <laughs> at, it, at least it looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you have a divided country. I hope it gets back to being united soon and I not divided so states of america it should be yeah. united states of america i hope so too yeah you already said earlier that we are talking about change but mm-hmm. what do you think about change is it good thing bad thing is it situational thing how does it show is it different yeah. for an individual is it different for the whole globe how about for societies what do you think about change Gosh, I think change is necessary and inevitable, but I tell you what, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I really like knowing what the thing is and what's expected of me and how it's going to go. And it's scary to change. As an individual, it is scary to change. Mm -hmm. Um, I was speaking earlier about how I left my job to try and pursue board game content creation more full time Mm -hmm. and that was a really scary thing I was thinking about leaving that job for at least a year Mm -hmm. and it was really because you you know even if you're like I'm kind of unhappy in my current situation you at least know how it's going to be and how it's going to feel Mm -hmm. but when you make a change in the hopes of being happier you don't know if it will work out or not. And what if you're just as unhappy? It's just slightly different. And I can find that personally to be almost paralyzing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you really have to try. Because if you don't try, then you'll definitely be stuck in a thing that makes you unhappy. But that doesn't make it easy. 
Uh, but I am almost always glad when I've made a change. You know, when I moved, I grew up in North Carolina and mm-hmm. I moved to Los Angeles almost exactly 11 years ago. This mm-hmm. is the time of year where I tend to make big <laughs> changes, I've realized. Um, and that was huge and scary. And I thought before I moved out here, I think a part of me felt like, well, I need to know, I need to pick. It's really important the place I pick to move to Mm -hmm. because that's it. That's the big choice. And then I realized, like, it doesn't have to be. You can always change again. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing sometimes that holds me back from change is feeling like the choice I'm making, the change I'm going to is this big permanent thing when actually it isn't. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, you know what? I can actually move to Los Angeles. And if I don't like it, I don't have to stay there. And that realizing that really empowered me to go, okay, well, let's just try it. Let's just try it and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, I can always just try something else. And I think that's the thing I need to remember more. That's actually a good point. That change doesn't have to be permanent. Yeah. You can make another change. Um, And I'm always amazed, too, when I look back and see how, if I look back in the past and even like, changes that aren't conscious and I go wow so much has changed in the last two years Mm -hmm. since I started making things get dicey for example Mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily I wasn't looking for a change then other than I just wanted to make something Mm -hmm. but my life has fully changed since then I now have a whole group of friends who are truly like my family that Mm -hmm. I would not have met if I had not started making things get dicey Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I met uh, Kiki Amarito from Girls Game Show. That's mm-hmm. how I met Nick and Mike Murphy. from the. That's how I met Matthew Jude. These are like my best friends. Mm-hmm. And I would never have met them if I hadn't started making things get dicey. And it's amazing to think I didn't even know I was missing them, you know, <laughs> because I, I didn't know them. I didn't know yeah. that I had these people who would become like my family. Not no. in my life yet. That's actually well said. It's kind of crazy when you think back, you know, and think about that. Um, so I guess in general, what do I think about change? It's hard and I don't like it. But if things are bad, I think it's good to remember that it won't always be bad. Our situation will not always be this. This will change and grow because things always do where I was 10 years ago in my life is nowhere near where I am right now where I was in my life a year ago is nowhere near where I am now who knows what my life is going to look like in another year who knows who I could meet or what opportunities might open up or how the world will shift and change in that time Mm -hmm. and that's exciting and I think also something hopefully that I can use to encourage myself if I'm feeling unsure or kind of down about something it's like it will not always be like this those are my thoughts on change (laughs) yeah that's a good response i I think people are aiming to get stability and if they have Mm, stability of some sort it's difficult to get rid of it somehow yes that's so true but it's the human nature so yeah. yeah you said that you don't know where you will be a year from now. What do you think? How about the future? <laughs> what? Where will you be? Or where would you want to be? What do you expect or what do you want from the future? If you think next year or even further. 
goodness. Well, I hope next year I'm traveling again. I hope we have board game conventions again next year. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm seeing my friends. Um, I hope that I am still making board game content, but maybe in a way that's a little more focused. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of different things right now, and I hope that this year I will use this time to really find, like, what are the things here that make me happy? What is making me feel creatively fulfilled? And what is also, honestly, because it is kind of my job now, what's giving me the best financial return? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, what can I do that makes me happy, but also is allowing me to sustain financially what I'm doing? And I hope that I'll have more answers to that in a year's time and be a little more streamlined. Um, Because I do think right now I'm doing a few too many different things. Mm -hmm. And I think I will be a happier, less stressed out person if I can focus in a little bit. So I hope I'll be a little more focused in a year. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I don't know beyond that. Who knows? I mean, I could talk in like metrics. I hope in a year I have 20,000 YouTube subscribers. I think I will. The channel is growing. I think I will. That's a weird thing to say out loud, but (laughs) that would be cool. Yeah. What else? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to be back to doing more acting work, Um, but that kind of depends on how the world kind of recovers from the pandemic. But I hope in a year I'm doing more of that. I hope I can be doing more theater or things like that again. Yeah, let's hope that it's possible Mm -hmm. and allowed. Yes, yeah. Did you begin anything this year? You said that in the beginning of years you begin. Did you begin something this year yet? Oh, here in 2021? Yeah. Well... Yeah, well, this new, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to start doing this uh, playthrough series for Watch It Play. Yeah, if Rodney accepts them. Right? Yeah, and so, yeah, if, if people don't hate them, I'll <laughs> yeah. keep doing them. Yeah. That's a new thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've been also doing more um, streaming on Twitch on my personal channel. I just started streaming. I've been doing video games on my personal Twitch channel, mm-hmm. but I just this year started doing board games on my personal Twitch channel and not just for Gen Con. And that's been a new thing that I've been really enjoying. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are are some of my new things. I've also kind of changed up how I'm doing things get dicey Mm -hmm. in a way that I hope uh, I'll like throughout the year. So in the past, I've done it in seasons. So I've been like, okay, Mm -hmm. for the next four months, I'm going to put out a things get dicey episode every two weeks. And then I'm going to take two or three months off to rest because that really burns me out Mm -hmm. and then do it again. And I decided, you know what, this year I'm going to try and do it more consistently. And to make that happen, I'm going to put one episode out a month. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a new way to approach the way I'm making things get dicey. And hopefully I'll like it. And hopefully the viewers will like it. People won't be like, why are you only doing this once a month? I'm like, because that's that's how I have the time. Yeah. (laughs) But but mm-hmm. also if they know it, then it's fine. And then you don't yes. burn yourself out. You don't need to have a four-month break. But you can right. t- do every month one. And it's just consistent. And you can have two weeks holiday in between. And then two weeks do the episode. And two weeks mm-hmm. have a holiday. And maybe it's better for you, maybe. Yeah, I hope it will be. Yeah. Just a little, because it does, it gets a little, um, it can get really overwhelming. 
And I think spreading it out, I do think will result in me having better content Mm -hmm. throughout the year. Uh, So those are kind of the new things I've started this year. No. The content has been good, except that one scary clip was a bit, a bit strange. <laughs> I don't know if it was scary or strange or funny or I don't know. But everything uh, else has been good. <laughs> I liked making that scary one, though. It was <laughs> definitely different. We were like, let's just do a little like horror film, which was really fun to make. Uh, but it was definitely different. Uh, but some, that's something that's nice about Things Get Dicey is we do go... What if we try this? That's kind of weird. And then we just see, we kind of experiment and see what happens with it, which is fun to be able to do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> do you think you have changed in the last year? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. I have actually, I know I've been talking about feeling overscheduled and trying to find balance, but I do think Mm -hmm. in the last year I have gotten better already at knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. Mm -hmm. I can, there's plenty of room for more improvement, but I, I am proud of myself for, um, there've been some things, opportunities that have come my way that have gone, you know what? I know in my heart of hearts, I do not have time for this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say no to that. Where in the past, maybe I would have been like, I'll just say yes and figure it out. <laughs> um, I think also, I mean, I've changed and I really have sort of grown accustomed to this hermit kind of life. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I miss going out and about and I miss traveling, like I've said, and I miss my friends. But the way I- I've sort of adjusted Um mm. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is true. I remember when we first went into lockdown and then I saw a friend for the first time where we um, like got together in my backyard and, you know, we were distanced and we like wore masks and we did all those things just to be like, let's just sit six feet apart from each other outside and hang Mm -hmm. out. And it was like I wanted to cry at just seeing a person's face in real life Mm -hmm. and not just over a computer screen. And now I feel like if I see someone in person like that, I'm a little less like emotional about it. I've kind of gotten used to only seeing them on the computer. Mm -hmm. And now when I see them in real life, I'm like, yeah, cool. But I I don't know how to, I'm not articulating very well, but there's a certain amount of adjustment I've done. I'm, I'm less like overstimulated by skype calls all day long like i was at first maybe i've gotten numb i feel like i'm giving the most depressing answer it's like yes i've changed this year i got numb (laughs) yeah but but at least that's honest i think yeah 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 it was really difficult in the beginning of the we didn't have that tight lockdown but we were not supposed Mm -hmm. to see the elderly people so Mm -hmm. basically meant that couldn't see my parents Oh, and yeah. it was really difficult, especially for my daughter. And when yeah. she saw the saw, saw my mom two months after not seeing, they both cried and yeah. <laughs> it it was really bad. And then the next yeah. time we saw my mom, she said that Corona is over for me. <laughs> <laughs> and since since summer, she hasn't been uh, staying away because she said that it's over for me. I can't bear. I'm not doing this. Yeah, so. there's a balance of needing to take care of yourself in a mental health way as well as in a physical health way Mm. um, and kind of figuring out how you 
where where that balance is for you as an individual um yeah yeah that's true do you have anything else to add for this 2020 part and change and your future and your changes um just you know what overall i feel like i've been really lucky in the last year mm-hmm. so much of my work i was already doing from home and i can do from home um there's a little part of me that is jealous of people who've been like i have nothing to do so i'm going to do this hobby that i've always wanted to try i'm <laughs> like well i don't have time i'm incredibly busy um but at the same time i know that that's really a a blessing that i have continued to be able to work when so many people have struggled with that and so overall in this whole situation i've really been lucky and i guess yeah. that's a sentiment that's worth expressing i think but i think that's it yeah that's actually good to remember that no matter how bored you are at home and how bored you are doing distance work not many people have that possibility if you think, think yeah. globally If you think yeah. locally, maybe it is common, but if you think globally, it's not really common. Yeah. That's true. So should we move on to our top nine lists? Yeah, let's have board games. <laughs> yeah, about time. <laughs> <laughs> This is such a interesting conversation to have, though, and a really, I don't know, honest one, and I really appreciate it it felt nice actually to talk about all these things <laughs> yeah it's like small therapy <laughs> yeah exactly but, but <laughs> thank you for being my therapist today <laughs> <laughs> some people some people might listen not many but some might yeah so yeah you're not opening your heart to the whole world just to <laughs> hundred people well right. th- those hundred people hey hundred people listening you're important and we appreciate you Yeah, we do. <laughs> Tell your friends also that we appreciate them yeah. also if they listen. Spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored by Restoration Games. <laughs> Just to let you know that I now have Patreon. Yeah, I might have said that I will not create one, but... I decided to make one anyway, not for the money, but for the community mostly, because it's really difficult to reach you listeners somehow. So if you want to go and take a look what you will get if you show me some patronage, the address is patreon.com forward slash mitapelataan. Thank you in advance for even considering to look at the Patreon page. It's much appreciated. But... Without further ado, on with the show, and let's see what kind of top nine lists we've created this time. Anyway, so um, these top nine lists. What what was the topic for the list that you decided that we should have this yeah, week? Yeah, I thought. Be fun to talk about the games that brought us into the hobby or that hooked us and keep us coming back into the hobby. Mm-hmm. What are the games that are the reason why we're here? So that's those are the top nine that I chose. Was it easy list if, list for you to make? Honestly, this actually really was an easy list for me to make. Um, I just really thought back to like when I first started playing games. What are the ones? That got me excited 
that made me want to play more games. And it was really easy for me to think of all of those. Um, Maybe because early in the hobby, I owned less games. So I played all of these games a lot more frequently than I play the games that I own now, if that makes sense, because I have so many more to choose from now. Mm -hmm. But then if it's like, well, I only own 20 games. So it's a lot easier to get the same ones to the table over and over again. And so they've stuck in my brain. What about you? Was it easy for you to make? It it was easy, but I'm trying not to use the same games in the lists that I've mm. used earlier. So now I've made 40, oh, 14 yeah. of these. So my numbers probably three from my top five, four from my top five dropped. So I can't um, mm. include Battlestar Galactica, Arkham Horror, Hanabi or this Exit and Unlock series. They would have been at the very yep. top. But um, <laughs> yeah. You're like, but I've already talked about those games. Yeah, <laughs> but I have to stop resisting. The, I mean, trying not to use the games because at some point I will have a bad list. Like the previous episode, I had a bad list. But the team. <laughs> oh no! But it wasn't because of this restriction. I didn't restrict myself last episode because mm-hmm. I would have had only six games that I have played. But <laughs> that would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> different team. Uh, how did you rank your list? So it's kind of in order of this sort of happened incidentally, but I realized and how I, I, I really wrote them down in the order that I just thought of them. Mm-hmm. And then I realized as I was looking at them that it we were sort of talking about this earlier, but it's in order of kind of I was introduced to them in the hobby. Because mm-hmm. um, the first one on my list is definitely the first hobby game I played that made me go, oh, this is board games. I want to keep doing this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the order. I also ranked mine so that I have the oldest first. I mean, oldest is number nine and the newest is number one. And mm. this is the mom. I mean, the time when I played them, not when they were published. And mm-hmm. my number three is in two occasions because it reignited the light a bit later. Mm. But I was playing it earlier already. Right. Quite a lot. So this is kind of a time frame of uh, 25 years, it seems. <laughs> 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 so it's a very long time ago because I listed some old games. Nice. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to hear your list. I'm so interested <laughs> now. I mean, I was interested before. That sounds like I wasn't interested before. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm even more. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we've had this kind of... Um, habit here that whoever is the guest can announce the numbers and we go nine nine eight eight seven seven and we begin from you so you get to be the announcer you can be eric summerer or whoever is your Mm, favorite announcer i'll I'll do my best eric summer number nine that sound like him at all probably not (laughs) (laughs) it's quite good but you, you can improvise. You haven't done improv for a while, so now you can do That's true. I'm rusty. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you have any honorable mentions before we go to the list? Oh, you know what? I don't have any honorable mentions. I can't believe I didn't even think of any. I only have those. I don't have any. Yeah, I have only those ones that I listed plus chess, but I think that chess is not about game enough. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess, you know what? I guess an honorable mention for me would probably be like Clue Mm -hmm. because that's a game I played a lot as a kid. It was my favorite game growing up. And my love for that has really informed the kind of games I find myself liking even now, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of, not everything, but a lot of narrative heavy games. Um, And I, not necessarily that Clue has this deep narrative, but as a kid, I kind of put one on it. Um, and I, I like to act out this murder mystery story. And so that is a lot of, I'm still kind of always chasing the feeling that clue gave me as a kid, but Mm -hmm. as an adult who wants a deeper, more strategic game experience. So that would be my honorable mention. Mm -hmm. I have never actually played clue. I've been avoiding that. You know, it's, you know, there are better games. Just play Awkward Guests now or even like Cryptid or maybe like Search for Planet X, which I haven't played, but I hear it's like Clue. Mm-hmm. You know, just play something like that. You'll probably, because Clue's roll and move. It's, you don't, don't, yeah, it's. I'll probably play it anyway <laughs> soon because I have to <laughs> introduce the daughter to those kinds of games also. But, but yeah. we, I'm going to say that we had better quality and more variety games here in Finland when I was growing up, so. I had mm, lots of games to choose probably from. probably very true. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we have very, very strong gaming culture here. There was just a mm-hmm. while ago this um, gaming kind of a survey done for Finnish people. And I, if I remember right, it was ninety over 90% of Finnish people who replied had played something. So that's a wow. huge amount. It also includes these video games and such, but... It's it's really really big number because it's from the whole population, I think. Wow. If I remember right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you probably did have better. <laughs> I totally believe that you had better games to choose from growing up than I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I meant that we didn't have to go for these market games only. That we had good yeah. good market games here. Mm-hmm. I mean, good games in the market. We didn't have to go to hobby stores when I was growing up. Yeah. That's cool. All right, so. Let's get so to I the guess list. We should say what these are. Yeah. All right. So, first up is our number nine pick, and uh, mine is a game that I've I've spoken about uh, in many other places. So, if you've ever heard me talk about games that got me into the hobby before, you have heard me talk about this game. But I have to say it again, and that's Betrayal at House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about a game that feels kind of like Clue. You know, you are characters moving through a house, going through different rooms, discovering a mystery, and then at some point, one of you turns against the others, and you all have to, you have like that, like in the middle of the game, a a hidden traitor basically is revealed, and you have to deal with that. It's got so much atmosphere. It's got a story. Man, when I played this for the first time, I just, I had the best. It's probably the best time I've ever had playing Betrayal Mm -hmm. um, because the game is also, I think, deeply flawed. But, (laughs) uh, man, I loved it. And I was just, it literally, I went, if if games are like this, I want more of this. This is everything I want. Um, And I don't really play it much now because, again, as I've played it more, I've kind of realized, like, it's kind of broken. <laughs> it's just really random. It's so swingy. You can you're either going to have an amazing time playing it or you're going to be like this is this 
makes no sense and it's not fair and it's unbalanced and it's not that good. So you're going to have one of the two experiences and it's probably worth playing just because you might have that really great experience. Mm -hmm. But I often now, I would probably choose something else to play myself. But if someone else wanted to play it, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'll play Betrayal. (laughs) So that's my number nine. I have never played this, but I'm interested in the legacy version and also the betrayal at yeah. Baldur's Gate because I like this Baldur's Gate and Forgotten Realms um, universe. Mm-hmm. I've played the first four chapters of the legacy version mm-hmm. and it does it is better. I would recommend the legacy version. It still has some really random swinginess, um, but it's pretty fun. So if you get a chance to try the legacy version, yeah, I would definitely say go for it. Okay. But you have to know that it's wingy when you go into the game. I think you then need it's fine. to know. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. My number nine is uh, this was a big game. I think it was bigger in Europe than it was in USA. Uh, mm-hmm. This one I played in 1991. I listed the year when I was playing this. I was thinking, would I, <laughs> would I choose this or Hero Quest? But I think Space, Crusade, Space Crusade was more important for me. Mm, I'm not familiar with this one. This is like Space Hulk, but it's um, oh, it's the European version, I think somehow. It's, okay, it's by I love Mi- Space Hulk. Yeah, it's by Milton Bradley, and this had. I mean, I was comparing this or HeroQuest because I played them about the same time. But this had mm-hmm. Marines, and this had uh, this huge Destructor um, miniature that you were able to switch the uh, guns, and also to the Marines, you oh, were a- cool. able to switch the guns that they have and whatever gun mm-hmm. they carried that's what dice they rolled and this was this was yeah. really cool and this had hidden movement so you had this uh, tiles on the map and they were hiddenly moved by the player who played the like the alien side and then you flip oh, them yeah. open and then they attack you and you just see them on the radar so this was very oh, yeah, very totally. well totally it is space hulk i love space hulk what a great choice i love this game yeah <laughs> Except that Space Hulk is just uh, chain stealers. This has other monsters yes. also. This has different. Oh, cool! This is like a symbiosis between uh, Space Hulk and Hero Quest, and this is Space Crusade. Okay. This is this is a. Oh, uh, it sounds great. I would still get it if I was able to get it for some kind mm-hmm. of a normal price. I'm not crazy enough to pay, pay them prices. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but if you ever get to try this, I think you like this kind of thematic games. I if, do. If I've understood yeah. right, you might like this, and this is good. One. Oh yeah, it sounds really cool. It sounds a lot like something I would like for sure. Yeah. But my number nine was Space Crusade. Cool. All right, shall we move on to our number eight? Yep. Eric Summer is going to hear this and, and hate me. <laughs> Let's see if he listens. He listens to your show at least. I, I'm just in the middle of the Dutch episode, by the way. I noticed that I hadn't listened to that, and it's quite cool. Oh, good. Anyway, he was talking about it in Twitter just yesterday or the day before. Oh, yeah. that Yeah. All right. My number eight is uh, Forbidden Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so after playing Betrayal, um, this is like the next game after that, that I played with my partner and some of his friends, one of his friends brought it over to like a New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my first time playing a cooperative game and 
um man we played it so much i think we played it like we had gone away for like a weekend for like the new year's eve and i think we played it like three times over the weekend and we came away from that and it was the first game that i went to my partner and was like i think we should buy this mm-hmm. this game that one of our friends owns i really liked it and i think we should also have a copy so that we can play it um and so that's why that's like kind of formative for me is i was like oh yeah we should add to our collection it was the first thing i wanted to start adding to our collection um and since then we kind of played it out a little bit i think once you kind of get the puzzle of it you kind of know what to do but man it's such a great it has these great little pieces you know like the uh the artifacts you're trying to gather as you're playing Forbidden Island before the island sinks and, you know, you need to get away on the helicopter. Um, the little, like, figures it comes with. You have this, like, cool, like, crystal flame and a goblet and a little sphinx thing. And they're just there for... There's no real reason to have them, but they are neat. Um, and I like that. I was charmed by that. And... I like cooperative games a lot, uh, especially if I'm in a two-player situation, because two-player head-to-head games, a lot of times, um, I can get kind of personally offended, (laughs) which isn't good. But if you're a two-player game and you're working together, you avoid that. But we've since passed this on. I gave our copy of this to my niece and nephew, Mm who have been getting into games. And I was like, this is so great because they can play it with their parents. Everyone can love it. Um... You know, it's simple enough that they can, you know, make some of the decisions. And if there's decisions that they can't make, it's a cooperative game. So their parents can very easily help them make the decisions. And so I very happily pass that game on to my niece and nephew uh, pretty recently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my number eight, Forbidden Island. Now, this is a good game for beginners, mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. And well done by giving it away. <laughs> Thank you. It, it goes to uh, No, I mean that it goes to good use. Yeah. Well, we just went, you know, we aren't really playing this anymore. And I really think my niece and nephew would like this. We should, we should pass it on. What are we, we don't need to hold on to this, you know, Uh, we could graduate to Forbidden Desert if we want, though that game is hard. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a bit better game, in my opinion. This is a bit too simplistic. Yes, it's deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I I also have it on the shelf, waiting for the daughter to Mm -hmm. be old enough to be able yeah. to play this maybe we try it soon but it had this ro- yeah. uh, roles roll cards and that might be a bit difficult still but mm, let's see that's true because you see. have your own special little power as an individual yeah yeah but i'll probably try it this year yeah, yeah. it's a good pick good pick thank you thank you my number eight is now at we're at the year 1995 there were other games in between but this, I'm listing these important ones for me, and this is Magic the Gathering. And I played oh, this yeah. about two years from the fourth edition until fifth edition or Alliance, something a bit after Alliance. I quit because mm-hmm. I just didn't have time. <laughs> and I, yes. I, mo- yeah. <laughs> I moved to the game that is my next one on the list. But I had really, really that kind of cards that I should have saved and now I would 
be able to buy something proper with those. Oh yeah, you could sell them for real good, <laughs> for lots of money. Yeah, I had lots of. I love magic. Yeah, I had lots of dual lands and all these mana drains and everything from those old, old cards, and they were in great condition. But I sold all of them when I quit. Mm. So, if mm-hmm. I had forgotten to sell them, I would be. At least a thousand nair, not maybe a million, but a thousand <laughs> nair. Thousand nair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is really interesting. I tried fairly early in my gaming uh, hobby. Um, my partner was like, "Hey, let's try, let's try magic." I, he grew up playing it. And he thought I might like it, and we went and got myself, got me like a little starter uh, deck from our our game store, one that they kind of put together mm-hmm. for you. And it was just a little early in my hobby experience for me. I had a hard time kind of wrapping my brain around how attacking and defending worked, mm-hmm. and I sort of bounced off it a little. I kind of wanted to like it, but it never quite. I just didn't get it. And then, just like two years ago. Maybe I think it was about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. We tried again. Um, uh, Throne of Eldraine came out, uh, and so for my birthday, my partner got me some decks from that, and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This art is beautiful. Um, everything's so cool. I really love it." And I found that I could hang with the mechanisms of the game so much better now because I'm so much more experienced mm-hmm. in all kinds of gaming now than I was before. And I really love it. We play it a, a fair amount now. We have way too many cards. Um, so, yeah, it's one that didn't hook me into the hobby, but the hobby hooked me into it, I think, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a that's a great pick. I actually didn't play this for maybe wait now I have to count the years. <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to maybe <laughs> 20 years or so, but in 2019 summer I played it with mm-hmm. a, with a, a guy who has almost everything because he just wow. buys all of it. And mm-hmm. we played this uh, ready-made decks. And mm-hmm. that that's a good way to play. I really I really like this game yeah. still. I like the mechanisms. I like how it works. I like how snappy it can be. I also love yes. like how painfully slow it can be if you if you <laughs> yeah. play against blue or yes. <laughs> or some other oh types of de- decks. <laughs> I really like how it works, but I will never ever want to get back to this collecting aspect and creating decks. But with the pre-made decks yeah. or with commander decks, I will definitely want to play. But I'm not going to yeah. buy this game. But if someone asks, I will play. I like this game still. Right. You're like, hand me a deck? Sure, I'll play with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> All right. Well, should we move on to our number seven? No, right. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound uh, like Eric, by the way. <laughs> Impressions are not my strong suit, <laughs> um, but that's okay. My number seven is Couriers. Uh, so Couriers is like a deck builder, but it's it's like a bag builder, I guess. You have dice instead of cards, uh, and you are adding every turn. You're rolling dice uh, from your dice pool and using the faces that come up on the dice to either play out monsters. It's actually kind of a lot like magic. Play out monsters or attack your other player or use the dice to spend mana to buy new dice that you then add to your dice pool. Um, And I 
really love this game. This is another one that a friend owned. And every time we had a game night, I'd be like, can we play Quarriers? I really want to play Quarriers. And then eventually I was like, should we just own Quarriers? <laughs> um, and man, I just, I really love the action of rolling dice. Now, the problem is I have objectively bad dice luck. Uh, I will roll a high number if I need a low number, and I'll roll a low number if I need a high number. I just, dice hate me. But (laughs) in a game like this, where you get something, no matter kind of like what comes up on your die face, uh, I really like that. I like rolling the dice. I like seeing what I get. It has that deck builder thing like Dominion where you can like chain, you can, you know, build your engine chain different actions in your turn and suddenly you've taken this really big turn um i just i like it a lot it's kind of a classic game that again i don't play as much as i used to but it really like hooked me into this style of game and and helped me i think start to understand the way like deck builders work um so that's why i chose couriers that's a great game and also it's unfortunately people don't seem to remember that it exists but i know are, i never hear anyone talk about it anymore but they made a reprint i think for all of the stuff so maybe it will come back i, I think i've seen yeah. it in shops nowadays i have almost everything for it not the light versus dark but everything else oh, I, think nice. I have. and it's a great game i should play it more uh, do you like I it multiplayer it. or two player more what's your favorite player found hmm I've played it mostly two-player because I've played most of my games mostly Mm two-player because I'm most often playing with my partner. But I do think it's probably more fun with three or four. Um, But I like it at two as well. I have no problem playing it at two. Yeah, because I think it might be best with two. I was going to ask your opinion. Mm. Because I've played Mm -hmm. it with two and I've played it with four. But I think it might be best with three or two, not four. I'm not playing with four Yeah, you know what? That's That's a good point. But you have to wait... It's so many turns to have to come back around to you and your monster to be able to attack. Yes. Like it needs to make it all the way back to your turn. Yeah. And that's a lot of people to get through. So yeah, four mate, you're right. Four is probably pushing it. Um, that was exactly the problem with it because your monster mm-hmm. never stays until your next turn. Yeah. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a bit of, <laughs> of a problem. And you're like, well, that's frustrating. Yeah. Two or three might be the best, I, yeah. I think. Good pick, good pick. Good that it's picked yeah. by someone in this <laughs> series, so it gets some <laughs> visibility. My number seven is the game that I moved on from uh, Magic the Gathering on 1997 mm-hmm. and 98, and this is a combined one of Warhammer Fantasy Battles and 40k. I yeah. began with 40k. Uh, I liked it. I had Tyranid Army, and I never lost a game in that, so I moved into Fantasy Battles trying to lose games on that, and then I was able to <laughs> like lose games. Like, I was games. too good at Warhammer. No, I thought that... I don't know. It's it's up to the <laughs> dice, of course, but I had a Tyranid Army, yes. and Tyranids were very, very strong at that point when I was yeah. playing. Mm-hmm. And all my friends had um, Marines, because there were not ah. that many different armies. I even tried mm-hmm. to get a... Uh, Space Wolf Army. I played only mm-hmm. one match with that. I won that too, and I thought, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> want this because fantasy battles are thematically more interesting, and there you move mm. with a big unit, so you have to uh, maneuver the unit. And as a like a, it, I don't know if you've played it or if you've seen it. It it's on a yes. tray. You have a tray of miniatures, mm-hmm. and then you move the tray, 
and in right, 40k yeah. you move them one by one so it's like a skirmish uh-huh. game and the other one is like a huge battle game and i like the okay. fantasy one more so that one i was playing two years as often as possible nice. <laughs> yeah and i was painting the miniatures i still have some painted miniatures left and now Maybe five years ago I bought some ba- paints, but then I didn't have space to paint in. <laughs> and yeah, that's the problem. That takes up a lot of room. Yeah, but, <laughs> but the paints are unopened, so maybe they are still fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. You can still use them. I've recently got into painting miniatures, um, and my partner's really into it. He He's really good at it, and he, he paints quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I like to do it just kind of sometimes as a hobby, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm surprised actually I feel like it's really accessible like I think well maybe not from a cost standpoint but from a skill standpoint Mm. at first I thought well I won't be good at this it's small it's going to be tedious I'm not very good at painting like I'm not going to be good at this but I think actually it's not that hard to get something that looks decent yeah you know like if you have a base color and then you do like a wash like you're pretty you're like well on your way to something that looks pretty good and so I was really like wow cool I actually can feel like I'm good at this and yeah I wish anyone who thinks they might want to try painting but thinks they won't be good at it will hear that and maybe give it a try because I think you'll be better at it than you think especially with a little practice yeah I really like it yeah yeah and it's really relaxing yeah you you only need a few colors if you want if you mm-hmm. want to mix um, white with other colors to change the hue a bit you just need the basic colors basically if you want mm-hmm. to get cheap but you need two brushes you need one very thin brush like a zero maximum mm-hmm. zero and then you need one a bit bigger one if you want to do dry brushing then you're done you don't need anything else yeah that's all of it's course a spray great. primer but Everything is better looking than these miniatures that come in the boxes <laughs> that are just the plastic. <laughs> yeah. Even the surface is better after spray painting them, so <laughs> that, that's that's better. I mean, uh, pr- uh, putting the primer or not with yes. this kind of uh, emerald mm-hmm. spray paints, that doesn't look cool. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do- <laughs> oh, that's a great choice. I'm, I feel like we have some tastes in common. I'm I'm enjoying hearing your list. Everything so far, I've been like, oh yeah, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> this is 20 years ago. The, it, it will change. The top your taste of the has list changed. You're different. like, this is what I used to like. I'm like, yeah. oh well, this, this is what I currently like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great, though. All right. Cool. All right. How about number six? Uh, my number six is Tales of Arabian Nights. Ooh, uh, this is underappreciated. I love. Um, I first got interested in this game because Shut Up and Sit Down did a review of it, uh, and it made it just seem... They have a knack for anything they like. They make seem so fun because they have this <laughs> infectious enthusiasm about what they're talking about. And it just seemed like it was going to hit all the right notes for me. It's story-focused. It's choose-your-own-adventure. It's, you know, I was like, yeah, I am in. And I still, I love this game. Uh, it it helped hook me into the hobby, but I would still call this, like, maybe one of my top three games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know some people who would say, it's not really much of a game. And I hear those people because you can't really have a strategy. <laughs> 
I played <laughs> this once with someone who really likes to win and they could not handle the fact that they had very little control over mm-hmm. whether or not they were winning or losing. But come on, or... you, you can choose your goal in the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, uh, you have to just play this one for the experience because you're going to have skills and you're going to think you're going to get a passage that's like, you come up on some lions in the desert. And you're like, ooh, I have wilderness lore. This will help me. No. Sure doesn't. Doesn't help you at all. And you're like, why? Who knows? It's so random. But it is hilarious. (laughs) I think you get fun, interesting, ridiculous stories out of it. It is a game that when I play, I genuinely do not care if I win or lose Mm -hmm. because it's not about that. It's about creating a story. And I love that. And this game, when I was introduced to it, I saw like, oh, there are games that can be focused just on this story experience and this role-playing experience. And I love it. I still, I love this game. Um, yeah, I, I, I really do. I think it's sweet spot for player count is three. Exactly. Uh, because any more than that, it kind of drags down. And in the game, you are someone is taking a turn, someone is reading the story to them out of the book, and someone is looking at a little reaction matrix to know, like, oh, this is what you're, this is what you're reacting to. This is your reaction choice. Okay, this is the passage that needs to be read. So with three players, you are doing something on every turn. Um, I would also say I never play to the full victory points. Like the game says, you need to get to twenty points. I never do that. It's too long. I always play to ten. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my personal house rule. You speak the truth. There's nothing else, <laughs> else to add except that don't you choose your destiny in the beginning that you choose what amount of what points you will get at the end of the game and then you will win. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think you choose. So. Yeah, you go, okay, I need destiny points and story points and it can be any combination of to a certain total. So you can be like, I want eight story points and two destiny points to get to ten. And once I've done that, then I can go back to Baghdad and win the game. So you do choose that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the most meaningful decision in the game. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, passing of time, let's say. It's, don't, yeah, it's don't, an experience. Don't try to win. If you go there trying to yeah. win, turn around before you sit to that table. Just go there and have yeah. fun. And perfect victory. Yeah. Great game. Great mm-hmm. pick. Yeah, so that's my number seven. Wasn't it six? Oh, sorry. That's my number six. You're sure right. Sure <laughs> was six. Uh, my apologies. That's my number six. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. My number six is the game that where I moved from Warhammer. And this is Blood Bowl. Oh, yeah. This is fantastic. And this was now 1999, I think, that we were playing this. Maybe a bit earlier, maybe 98 already. Uh, we had a, I mean, we had a group and all of us bought a team and we made a, a league. I mean, there were not many people <laughs> or friends or people playing from Warhammer, but all of us from Warhammer right. bought uh, teams in Blood Bowl. And we played this second, no, third edition, third edition, I think. And this was fantastic. I got the expansion and we had the tournament rules and you get get to buy cheerleaders and everything and then you advance and you get skills and I mean this was this was really good. And now this might sound like bragging but my wood elves never lost a game. 
and and I still <laughs> I still have the seat. I mean the tournament seat, and they've never lost one draw against night elves, but I never lost nice. one. But with my humans, I did lose. But with the wood elves, <laughs> no, they were just too fast. The wood elves are the team to, the team to play with. It sounds like. Yeah, they were they were too fast, and I had a one one three man in the middle. Actually, the three man was chopped to firewood in one match. But anyway. Oh no. But yeah, yeah that was I great. really love miniatures games like this, and I haven't played Blood Bowl, but we looked into it a little, and I was like, I don't want to start getting into some like miniatures based games. And we ended up um, kind of going with Frostgrave, which is mm-hmm. not like Blood Bowl, but it, it's a mini a minis game, obviously. Um, yeah, I just there's something so interesting about having your figures and like putting them on the map. I, I guess it comes down to the thing I keep saying that I like, which is, you know, if I have a little mini, I can like be like, this is a character, and I can put a story on this mm-hmm. character, and that's obviously something I really like in yeah. my gaming. So. It, yeah. it it also worked very well in Blood Bowl that you can put the character because you have that team yeah. and you have to name the teams when you when you play this uh, season or tournaments you put names to the uh, players and then they gain skills and they gain injuries mm-hmm. or they get some kind of so they get like it's like a legacy game when you play the yeah. season and I I really liked it actually this might be one of the first legacy games although it's not called legacy game. But yeah, still, I guess it's like kind of like a campaign, but yeah, it has those running things that yeah. hold over from game to game. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, but in a way also legacy because you change the state, you might change the stadiums, and you if someone dies, they die. If someone gets yeah. injured, they injured. So yeah, maybe campaign, but also elements of legacy games. This is actually mm-hmm. I never thought about it before. I now talked, and it's also easy because you have your team and you paint that team, and that's it. You don't have to paint. Yeah five million figures <laughs> to be allowed to right, tournaments. Yeah. That's that's just <laughs> ridiculous. Like 40K or something. You need this huge team of people. You're like, okay, I've got my yeah. my one team and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, my number six was Blood Bowl and especially third edition with the Death Zone and Season Rules. Cool. All right. How about we move on to Number five. I've let go of Eric Summer now. Yeah, I'm just I trying noticed. to be enthusiastic sounding. <laughs> <laughs> so my number five is The Resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the first other than like Mafia or Werewolf, which I had played before with just like a regular deck of cards. This was my first real like social deduction game that I played that had a little more structure to it than just let's just randomly talk and decide who we want to vote out for whatever reason we feel like um because you know this when you go on missions and you choose who's going to go on the missions and they play in cards for pass or fail and so you have a little bit to go on on like well someone in this group must be a traitor because a fail card got played Um, And I have these really good memories of playing this game with my cousins at a Thanksgiving weekend. And we just like had such a good time accusing each other constantly. And then it just bled over into we weren't even playing the game anymore. We just were like fixing dinner and we'd start like accusing each other of being a traitor. And I just have such good memories from that. And I think it's a nice way to 
get people who maybe aren't normally, they're not going to sit down to a game of like, (laughs) I don't know, Castles of Burgundy or something. But you might be able to get them to sit down to a game like this and they feel engaged. They have some direction. They have some interaction. You get a fun like story out of it. Like here I am talking about a Thanksgiving weekend from, you know, eight years (laughs) ago. And I still have all these memories because of the game resistance. Now, I don't play it a ton now. I have other social deduction games I would prefer to play instead. I really like Don't Mess With Cthulhu. I really love The Chameleon, stuff like that. But this one is definitely one that like got me hooked on the idea of a social deduction game. So yeah, The Resistance is my number five. I actually forgot this. This could have been mm. a bit higher on the list, but I'll mention it later. Do you like the normal okay. Resistance or the Avalon one? No. I've only played the normal one, uh, so I'll say that one. But I like the theme of the Avalon one because I like King Arthur stuff, so I'd probably enjoy that as well. Um, but I kind of was like, well, I already have the regular one. I don't know that it's different enough that I feel the need to play both. But, it, yeah, so I, I've never played the Avalon one, but I'd probably also like it. The Avalon one adds the roles. If I remember, I haven't played the normal resistance. I've only played the other Oh, one. yeah, because there's like Merlin yeah. and they're different roles. You're right. That probably would be. That probably would be fun. Yeah, at least I think that I wouldn't enjoy resistance, but I do enjoy Avalon. Mm. I haven't played it mm-hmm. for many years. I have it, but yeah. I haven't played it. But yeah, a bit similar opinions than you. But I get get back to it later now that I wrote it down because I forgot it, it seems. <laughs> My number five is the first game that I remember buying when I got back to the hobby in 2009. So I had a Mm. 10-year break or so, Mm -hmm. like not really considering this as a hobby. And this is Portobello Market. It's from 2007, and I don't think many people (laughs) playing currently have played it. It's not yeah, very no, good. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar with this one. <laughs> it's not very good not game. Very I've good. rated it uh, five, but at that time it was like, wow, is this a game? There's yeah. no dice. Come on. You're trying to fill these roads. You put your workers here and you build some kind of market stalls. What is this? This is great. It, oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not that great, but at that point it was, was great. And that made me buy Carcassonne, Pandemic. Uh, Stone Age, Alhambra, all these games. It made me go to that same market. We had one market called Antila, and they had this. It was the best board game shop in the city I live in because we didn't have a like a, sp- a specialized shop. We had specialized shop, but they had two specialized uh, specialized stuff. But this Antila mm-hmm. had this kind of a. Mm, I don't want to use gateway. I don't like that term, but like welcoming mm. games, like they're saying in Dice yeah. Tower, or these introductory games. That suit, yeah. fu- suit everyone, this kind of spiel des Jahres, uh, wait. And they had everything there. They had uh, Finnish translations, because we have this lautapelit.fi here in this country, and they are translating lots of games. So they had this Portobello mm. Market, Oregon, uh, Dominion, uh, Ticket to Rides, mm, Fincha, and all these games. They came in Finnish, and they were in the market, because they came in Finnish. And they had every Christmas... 
buy three games, uh, three games or toys, buy three, get one free. So if you buy oh, three, you deal. get one free. And then they send these coupons that if you buy for 50 euros, you get 10 euro discount. If you buy with mm-hmm. 100 euro, you get 20 euro discount. So I went there to calculate that how will I maximize those discounts <laughs> because I was a student at the time. I mm-hmm. went there, okay, I, I can get this, this and this. And this, 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 this. And I ended up getting lots of these kind of mm-hmm. books, self-size Euro games like uh, Tournament Taxis and such. And uh, I think I still have Stone Age, Mallorca, Mallorca being Fincha, uh, Oregon and Pandemic Cargasson and Ticket to Ride Europe left from that time. I think I sold mm-hmm. everything else. And Pandemic mm-hmm. will go soon because it's yeah. boring already. <laughs> but anyway, this is the first game I bought, the fir- first game I played, and it's the first game I have tracked a play in Board Game Geek, because I found Board Game Geek yeah. quite soon after getting this game. So that's why it has to be on this list, and that is Portobello Market. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it inspired you to like get involved in the hobby. If you're you know, logging in on Board Game Geek, and it's making you want to play other games like it, that you realize that you love more but this was the the one that opened that door for you absolutely it's got to be on the list yeah it made me find board game geek let's say that mm-hmm. way in 2009 beginning of 2009 so that's why that's cool it's here awesome all right how about we move on to our number four i said that kind of aggressively number four <laughs> um my number four i realized has a lot of four in it this is a this is a coincidence but my number four is memoir 44 mm-hmm. <laughs> um which is again is a it's a two-player game which is very important in my life because i play most games with just me and my partner um and it was the first game it was pretty early on that we got it in our collection and it was the first game that made me start thinking about war games um and we can argue all day long whether or not it counts as a war game uh you know but it is you know you have cards that you play that tell you what how you can maneuver your troops you have dice you roll you have a scenario you know that is replicating a historical battle and i just i still i really love this game um we have a bunch of the expansions for it. So we have a ton of different like theaters of war for, for Memoir 44. And it's got, you know, the dice rolling, which I like, although you roll for success here and I often <laughs> roll fails. Um, <laughs> but it's such a nice entry into this style of game, this two-player kind of head-to-head combat, because you have cards telling you what to do. And, you well, I would say it's easy to keep track of things, but actually all the terrain rules, it can be kind of a lot. I'm always having to reference the little uh, player aid to be like, now wait, what does it mean when I stand on a hill? <laughs> um, but there's just something about, I just really like this game, and, and from there have made me go, well, I wonder if I can enjoy other games that are sort of like this, this kind of like two-player war-ish kind of game which we'll see a little more of later on my list but yeah memoir 44 is my number four this is a good pick i think this richard borg's system is very um easy to approach so yeah. it's very very approachable for people who haven't played games yet 
And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's a war game, but it's a game where the theme is war. <laughs> and yeah. at least it's a battle. And I haven't yeah. played this actually. I've watched two games, one with this overlord mod, mo- mm-hmm. mode that one is giving the commands to others who and the others are doing it. That was very mm-hmm. interesting to watch. And then another game, but I've played this Battle Lore Second Edition, which is basically the same, but oh, yeah, basically hidden the same placement. Thing, yeah. And yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good game. Good pick, good pick. Yeah. Yeah, we have Battle Lore as well. I like that one because I was like, I really like fantasy theme. So my partner was like, why don't we get Battle Lore too? If you like <laughs> Memoir 44, you'll probably like that. Yeah. We get more Memoir 44 to the table more. Mm-hmm. Um, but Battle Lore is interesting because it does add that like hidden troop deployment, yes. which you don't have in uh, Memoir 44 and um, and some other things. But yeah, it's a pretty approachable game system and it sparked my interest in deeper war type games, yeah. I would say, or historical games, maybe. Yeah. yeah. The hidden deployment is really cool and well done in mm-hmm. the battle lore and very easily implemented, but it works very well. I yeah. Think. We are at number four, and my number four is yes. the first. Um, I consider the this the first hobby game that I bought. Okay. And played, and this is Agricola. And I mm-hmm. fully blame Board Game Geek for this because this was number <laughs> one or number. It was very high on the list. I think I got this before Puerto Rico, but they were at the top of the list at that time. And I still have this original first edition, I think, or maybe it's second edition. Wow! But but very old version with this expansion inside. And I have not played the revised edition, and I don't think I will play the revised edition because this <laughs> old school one is good. This doesn't even have the Any meeples, it has cubes. I have cubes here. <laughs> This is that old edition. And I just thought that, okay, this kind of a game that this is, what, what is this? Come, come on, I've played this. Okay, I've played lots of games before this. But this was something that blew my mind that mm. uh, so big decision space and so tight and you get punished and you need to do. Th- everything to be able to um, manage well in the game and i i really this was the first experience i had on that and it was like wow and i this is still on my top 90 games of all time because of the i've never played this i've never played agricola it's such a classic and i know so many people who love it and i've i've still not ever quite gotten to it yeah People say that Kaverna uh, is better, but I think Kaverna is too loose. I like mm. Agricola more because it's more restricted and it can be more mean. In Kaverna you can just... Uh, Agricola is like going on a very dangerous track, <laughs> trekking <laughs> to the mountainside, and Kaverna is walking at the bottom of the mountain and looking up that, oh, there they are walking. So basically it's like that, but Kaverna is also good. Mm. But yeah, my number four is Agricola. Nice. Okay, how about we do number three? My number three is a game that was my favorite game for a long time. Uh, and I would still count it pretty up there. I don't know if I would have it in my top ten these days. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and actually make my like top ten favorite games of all time to know. Um But it's Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Mm-hmm. 
this is the first game I played where I think I went, this is my favorite game. <laughs> um, which is why it had to be on the list. Because it introduced the idea to me of like, favorite games, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's because I love, it's got that puzzle aspect of like a Euro game, you know, where you're trying to, you're pulling tiles, you're placing tiles, you're trying to build out uh, a castle, which is a theme that I think is really fun. Your castle is a ridiculous thing. If you really look at it at the end, you're like, what have I made? You walk through a garden and then you get to a cheese room that then opens up into the entertainment chamber and then there's a bedroom there and then that has some stairs that take you down into a dungeon. Like it makes no sense. And I just find that very charming. Um, And then you're like trying to match things together to, uh, uh, you know, get the the, maximize your points that you're earning from all the tiles that you're placing. And I think the bidding, when you pull out new room tiles, there's a little market that they go into. And when you're the master builder, first player, you get to arrange the tiles in the cost you think they should be. And the other players are going to pay you for the tiles that they buy that turn. And there's this really tricky puzzle of, I want to put this tile that I want to buy this turn here so I can afford it, but I don't want anyone else to buy it. But I also know that they're looking for a bedroom and the bedroom's out here. And I want to price it just high enough that they can afford it, but that I get the money or I know they really want this and I don't want them to have it. So I'm going to make it cost more than the money that they have. I'm horrible at the bidding part, but it's a really interesting puzzle. And I just really loved this game and I still really like this game I think it's a lot like suburbia but I personally prefer castles over suburbia and that mm-hmm. just comes down to theme I think building a castle is more interesting to me thematically so yeah my number three is castles of mad king Ludwig are you going to back or did you back to uh, collector's edition and I don't think I'm going to it looks nice and it would be nice to have like pretty prettier tiles that are bigger that's very appealing to me but i can't justify it i don't think i i like the copy of the game that i have <laughs> and we have a co- a couple of the expansions but i don't really play with the expansions i really like the game as is and i was like well i don't need this big box version that has like a bunch of extra stuff in it that i'm not going to use i talked myself out of it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not going to get it either i got the one for suburbia but mm-hmm. then again suburbia i think the expansions make it a better game than castles mm-hmm. of mad king ludwig is mm-hmm. but comparing just the base games i don't know which one is better but if you compare so it similar. with the expansions i think suburbia is better yeah but yeah castles Fair. of mad king ludwig is good uh, yeah. what's your preferred player count Oh, see this, I almost always play this at two. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not necessarily down to a preference and more of just like most of my games I'm playing at two player because I'm mostly just playing with my partner. I've played it at three, I think twice. uh, And that was interesting. It definitely makes the bidding, it's a little more meaningful than like setting the price of things because Mm -hmm. it's more than just you and one other person. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played it enough at more than two people to know if I prefer it at any other player count. Yeah, don't try it with more than three. 
I think it's two so it's or three. Does it bog down? Yeah, the auction becomes too long for what it is. Mm, yeah. Because you have the whoever has to decide the prizes, it has he or she has to decide for all the other players. So there mm-hmm. are so many other things to consider. And yeah. No, don't don't try it. It's two or three. <laughs> pl- two or three players. Two players is good. Three players is good. It just depends yeah. on the players. But I like it at two. I play it the most at two, so yeah. Yeah, I like it at two also. It's mm-hmm. good. My number three is should be um, on the spot five. No, on the fourth spot on this list if it goes by the year. But because mm. this, in a way, brought me back to the hobby again after a break. Because I have these breaks in certain situations. Now we are at mm-hmm. year 2014. So this is after I graduated from the university and after I began working there. And this is Dominion. And this already... Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. This already was really interesting in 2009 when I played it. But after five years, I mean, I had a five-year break in Dominion. Then in 2014, I played it quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, with the current wife. And we liked it so much in two players. We played just game after game and then we played it with the friends also. And it was one of the first games that she played. So it's really, in a way, it brought me back. And then I went into this swamp and I found Kickstarter after <laughs> that because I thought, ah, there are um, other places for board games than board game geek. Yeah. There's this Kickstarter. <laughs> and that's where the downhill with that began but now two years i have tried to not look any games in kickstarter because it's different right yeah dangerous place (laughs) it is yeah dominion holds up so well um we have this and it's another one that we got very early in our collection and i really like it and then we didn't play it for a long time and just recently i played it again on board game arena actually and i was like man this game holds up it is still as good to me right now eight years into being in this hobby as it was when i played it Mm. in my first year of being in the hobby and i just yeah it's a good one it's really strange game when you play it the first time you're like wow this is something very very new if you haven't played Mm -hmm. this deck builders then you play it play it many times in a in a while then you just put it away and then you get lots of expansions then you don't have space to store them so you don't want to sort them then you take five years break then you play and you sort them finally after waiting five years and now i'm in the situation that they are in one metal box that we got one christmas that had full i mean was full of these chocolate nuts and everything like very good kind of christmas tree it's now all my dominion cards are in that one and i need to sort it so i'm not touching it now it's soon 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 has been five years since the last play but soon i will mm-hmm. touch it not yet but i have to yeah but great game and every time you play it you remember how good it was that's very very mm, yeah not not that common in a game and it's a good that's thing true. in a game yeah, so it like it hooks you the first time, and then it keeps kind of giving you a reason to still be in the hobby every time you play it. Yeah, which is perfect for this list. Yeah, it might have been, should have been, might be, maybe should have been higher on the list for that reason. But now it's here because mm. this goes in a yearly order. <laughs> okay, ooh, getting on up there. It's time for our number two game. My number two is Shadows Over Camelot. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a lot like Battlestar Galactica. Um, but I did not like Battlestar Galactica the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. I um, was like, no, can the Cylons just kill us all now so the game can be <laughs> over? I bounced off it real hard. I played it again recently and had a much better time. <laughs> but Shadows Over Camelot, though, also does the Hidden Traitor. And this really comes down to a theme. And again, very early, the things that were really hooking me early in my time in the hobby, as you've probably noticed from how I've described them all, is theme and narrative. Mm. And I just really enjoy the King Arthur theme. And this is the first game I played really that had that hidden traitor mechanic that wasn't fully focused on social deduction. You know, the resistance, it is about the social deduction. Mm. Shadows over Camelot, you might not have a traitor. You know, the game isn't focused just on social deduction. You are also trying to go around to all the different areas on the board and accomplish all these different tasks to get points to win. And maybe you're being sabotaged, but maybe you aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the kind of thing that later made me go, oh, I wonder if I should try that Dead of Winter game because I really liked Shadows over Camelot. And it also is the first game I played where it was like every turn something bad is going to happen to you. You Mm -hmm. pull from the good deck and you pull from the bad deck. And it was the first game I played that had that. um, That really makes you feel like, oh my gosh, we're gonna, it just feels, even though it's a cooperative game, it's so tight. You're just, it's so tense. You know, you're like, there's something horrible. I have to make a sacrifice every turn and every decision is hard. I don't want to have to do any of the things. And that is so interesting to me. I don't get this one to the table very often now because you can't play it at two. You mm-hmm. need at least three people to play this game. And that's just not, especially now, you know, that's very rare. But I, I actually, I really, now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, I'd really like to play this game again. Yeah, I want to play it again so, also. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. that you talked about So that's about my it. number two. Mm-hmm. I just, gosh, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like... I want to like set collect. It has so many different bits to it yeah. too. You need to do set collection and turn in cards to defeat, you know, you know, to defeat the picks or to get the grail. You know, you need to play down cards, but every time you play down a card, another card could come out. Mm. You have to play because the bad duck told you you have to, or you're a traitor. Who knows? It's just this constant tug of war, and you know, mitigation of bad things versus good things and i'm getting yeah i would really like to play it now yeah <laughs> so i guess that's why it's my number two <laughs> yeah and and it's also it's difficult even without the traitor i mean we, yes. were, we were learning the game without the traitor and we didn't win it very easily yeah and don't you have to you have to have five players to have a traitor i think that might be true, yeah. Because with mm-hmm. three, right three, with a, three with a traitor would be... <laughs> You'd be like, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but this is very, very elegant design. And if, if someone who is listening to this hasn't tried it, and it's possible to try, try this. I mean, yeah. I played Battlestar Galactica before I played this one. Mm-hmm. If it was the other way, I would probably appreciate this more than I do. I still mm-hmm. have it. Yeah. I'm not going to sell it. I have the expansion too. But it just doesn't get to the table for some reason. But I yeah. really want to get it to the table. I've had this feeling for a year almost that I have to get this played with five players. Yeah. But 
Corona and everything. Right. Five, five players is too much. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. It's a game that when I first got into the hobby, I felt like people were talking about a lot. Yeah. But now I don't feel like I ever hear anyone talking about this game. I'm like, no, don't forget about it. It's still really good. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really elegant and it's clean and it works very well. It is difficult and tight. No matter what happens there, it it has never been easy to win it, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well done game. Yeah. Yeah, that's my number two, Shadows Over Camelot. My number two is from year 2015, or that's the time when I played this. And now this could be Resistance Avalon or Spyfall also. But Ooh, yeah. this is code names. Uh-huh. Just for good, the reason that for maybe two months, every time I went to the board game club, I brought the code names. I had the English version of code names. I mm-hmm. ordered it from somewhere somewhere ab- abroad and I had this English version and no one else had it in the city I brought it and there were eight people at the same table and we played it for an hour before beginning to play any so to say real games and this happened yeah. for almost two months in a row every Thursday when I went to the board game club and for this reason this has to be this high because it showed me yeah. that one game can bring people together and when the people are together you can go and play some good games <laughs> no god yeah. names is a good <laughs> it, it, it's a good game but this is very i mean i'm i haven't played it for a very long time now i've played the two-player version lately but this mm-hmm. one not for a long time and yeah maybe people are still experiencing this people are still finding this that wow this is this is so simple there's cars with words and there's this grid and two people are trying to explain this and it just works vlada is a some kind of a wizard with this that whatever he does it works no matter how different it is from the earlier design he has and this is this is good it's not my favorite game anymore but it's very important game I agree with you. Yeah, that's a really good one. It was the same with Spyfall. Sorry? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think a lot of people could have this game, could have Codenames on their list of top games that hooked them to the hobby. Mm. Um, I think it's one that's really accessible to a lot of people and that probably has introduced a lot of people to other games. And it is, you're right, it's such a great one, almost as like a warm-up game. You're yeah. like, oh, everyone's gathering. This is something the whole group can play together before we split off into smaller games. And I think that's uh, a really valuable thing. Yeah. Before, I mean, we had the board game club open in autumn and last mm-hmm. uh, beginning of last year. And just one is taking the place of this in a way. Uh, but yeah, it, I could see that. You, you can just jump in. And then while we wait for other people, you can just jump in even if the game is mm-hmm. in the middle. There's just one person more. And the code name was the same. You just join the team. Yeah. You can't go to explain the word, but you can just join the team. So you go, you go to this team, you go to this team. And then when the people are together, we begin playing. This is so so good. This is good. Yeah. Con- concept is good. Uh, uh, just one is good. And then, like I said, Spyfall. It happened also. <laughs> we played it so much within one month. 
<laughs> since I got the game so much in the board game club. Same thing in the beginning, and then when people were there, we just went to play proper games, <laughs> so to say. And Resistance was the same thing, especially this Avalon. In the beginning, or in the middle of something that people don't know what to go to play, or if the games end at a separate, I mean, different times, then we play Avalon. And everyone are always complaining that they're they are again playing Avalon in the next table. We don't hear anything about this rules <laughs> rules experience <laughs> because all the time they were <laughs> talking so much. And yes, that was annoying, <laughs> but still. <laughs> anyway, my number two code names, or it could be any other this kind of a warm up game. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, we've done it. We've made it to our number one game that hooked us slash brought us slash got us into the hobby. <laughs> so uh, my number one, and it really is, um, if we're thinking about like chronological order of, this is probably the latest one on the list that I was introduced to. So that's why it's number one uh, for my list. And it's 1775 Rebellion, the American Revolution mm-hmm. from Academy Games. And this is kind of that extension of Memoir 44. So playing Memoir 44 got me to want to start looking into more war-ish or historically based games. Mm-hmm. And this was the next step into that for me was 1775. Um, and gosh, this game... I think this is such a good game. It's still one of my favorite games. I had one play of this game. We played a four-player version of it where it was one of the most tense, tight board game experiences I've ever had. Every turn you went, oh, I think we're going to win. And then the next turn you went, oh, my gosh, I think we're going to lose. And the next (laughs) turn you went, oh, I think we might win. Oh, I think we might lose. It was so exciting and close. And as I've gotten more and more now into more war or historical based games, this is really the game that opened that up for me a little more where I was able to kind of understand. I mean, it's really an area control game with a war theme is what it is. But it starts to introduce you again to this idea of like I have cards and the cards have movement points or events that I can play. Um, I need to move my troops around. I need to, um, you know, control this area and I need to think about bolstering this or uh, then I'm going to move into here. I'm going to try and do combat and then I'm going to roll. It has a lot of things I like. I get to roll dice for combat in it. Um, I think the turn order system is really interesting in this game uh, where you put your player color cubes in a bag and you randomly draw them out to see what the turn order is going to be so you might end up randomly with two turns in a row or you Mm -hmm. might start and end the round or you might you know you don't know how it's going to go and all of these things made this game so interesting to me made me love it so much and then made me want to look at more games that are sort of like this but go deeper Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I think it is a great one for this list of games that hooked me into the hobby and made me want to do or see or play more. So 1775 is my number one. This is the only one from the Academy Games that I have played, but it's years mm-hmm. ago since I played it. And I mm-hmm. want to play this 878 Vikings so much, but it's been out of print for <gasps> I love for 878 Vikings. Oh, man. C- come over to my house. 
Come on out to California. I have a copy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a, a bit long Vikings distance. Vikings is really interesting. Yeah, and, but they came up with a second print run. I think it's been available now for a few weeks. But mm, I really want nice. to try this 878. What yeah. what other games did you find? You said that it made me want to find. Did you? How deep did oh, yeah. you go into this board gaming? I mean, uh, war gaming. Are you in the uh, GMT level already? You uh, just well, played Pendragon like yesterday and dipping my toes in to like GMT okay. style games. So I went from 1775 to Quartermaster General. That's cool. Um, uh, which is the? Uh, there's different ones, and now um, I'm I'm blanking on the exact one that we have, but I'm going to look it up so that I know. Quartermaster General uh, board game. That QM is quite good, actually. I thought that I wouldn't like it, but it works so well, and it's so fast, and it's so simplified for a game that, uh, I mean, game with a war theme. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It's, it's really Quartermaster good. General 1914, that's what it is, is the one that I went into next, which I also, I did not think I was going to like, and then I really did, um, and that one's more about like hand management and deck management, mm-hmm. but then from there we went into, I've got some, um, I always forgetting um, the, the publisher of it. Um, Storms of Steel, um, which is in the um, Conflict of Heroes series. Mm-hmm. So then um. we got into Conflict of Heroes, which is more like actual, like you have chits and the chits have Ew. their stats on them. Ew. And I know. <laughs> that's too far. I'm not. I'm not going. That I'm not touching those. I t- I tell you what. That for a long time I've looked at games little tan beige cardboard chits and been like no thank you but um i actually really like uh this uh these conflict of heroes ones um we have storms of steel and guadalcanal are the two that i've played and then from there i mean another and then from there i went into undaunted which isn't a Mm -hmm. step deeper undaunted normandy and north africa are kind of steps back Mm -hmm. i just hit my microphone sorry kind of steps back more like at kind of an introductory level because it's a deck building along with more of that war game which and it's they're really interesting i really love the undaunted games um and then the deepest i've gotten it's not really a war game i wouldn't say it's more of like a historical game but uh we have here i stand uh which is a game that my partner got really into that i can Mm -hmm. sort of hang with it's a bit much for me i have to say but I can kind of hang with it. Uh, and yeah, so I'm kind of dipping my toes into a lot of different areas uh, and seeing like which I like. I think I'm falling mostly on the side of like war ish mm-hmm. <laughs> games that are more about area control or deck building or hand management. Um, but some of that more tactical stuff of like moving your troops around and getting them into position and taking into account line of sight and terrain and then rolling combat dice with the right, the right system and the right artwork, if I'm honest, cause I'm shallow like that. Um, <laughs> I can get into that as well. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, after we talk with Matthew Jude on this topic, yeah. because I noticed that he has this. Finland fandom going on with this all bridges burning. That was actually very <laughs> nice review he made, especially the beginning. Yeah. But still, and then they tried this Kuba Libre with Rodney. So I bought some coin games. He has gotten also. really, 
Yeah, he started to get into um, to the war game scene himself, yes. Um, I'm going to say that I don't consider those necessary, necessarily war games, because they... Or like historical, yeah. Yeah, they are like... They're like area control and card management. I don't know. They mm-hmm. don't feel war games to me because you don't mm-hmm. have these cheats. So I'm fine with them. But when you have cheats, <laughs> that is borderline craziness. Not craziness. Borderline <laughs> to war game. But when you, if you at, at any point see yourself holding pincers, trying to move your units on a map, then it's too far. <laughs> Throw the pincers away and run away. <laughs> I, I've I, never I, done that. I have pulled out rulers to measure distance move uh, for movement um but you've done that too i'm sure in yeah. uh, you know your miniatures game so yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I can't use that but if you have to use pincers to move your units on a map <laughs> it's too far that at least that's for me but we just played cuba libre and it's mm-hmm. it's so much easier than it looks when you yeah. play a few turns you i mean it's so well working the mechanisms are so good just don't mm-hmm. use event all the time but actually, yeah. you might like it also if you can play it online with Matthew. Or oh, yeah, that's me. true. Mm-hmm. Because you don't really need anything. You just need a webcam. One person can run it as they did on yeah. the live stream. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not as so, bad yeah. as it looks. <laughs> I mean, not as yeah, difficult so 17... as it looks. Yeah, I may have to do that. I haven't really uh, done much in terms of like coin games. I played Root once, um, but that would be a thing I'd be interested in, like kind of taking a look at. And uh, I guess I wonder if Here I Stand falls into. Now I'm just talking about things I don't really know whether or not Here I Stand falls into coin game territory or not. It's a GMT game. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm still pretty like. Like I said, just kind of dipping my toes in a lot of little areas, seeing like, what can I handle in terms of complexity? Where, you know, what am I enjoying and and trying to figure that out. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, But that's all due to a game like 1775. Yeah. But I don't think coins are that difficult as they look. And they are not really that war games. And I think someone who says that Root is a coin game misses the whole half of the aspect of (laughs) the coin but anyway, it's like coin light. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. My number one is a game that taught me that there are still new things. And mm. um, after that, I don't know if I have such an experience. I have, but maybe this is the most important one. And this is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Mm. This taught me a few things when we played this. We played in four sessions. I think it took 17 games for us as a four-player group. This taught mm-hmm. me that I will never ever want to play the normal pandemic again. Right. This, this I had a similar reaction. <laughs> <laughs> this taught me that a legacy game, even if you rip components, can be worth it. That you don't mm-hmm. have to be afraid of doing that. Just do it and enjoy it. Enjoy ripping yeah. it and throwing it to trash and do it in turns and do it as a group. And this taught me that if you are able to gather with the same group every now and then, they become real close to you because of gathering to play that game. And uh, with this group that we played this four player, I think that I would play any of these legacy games, any of camp, any campaign games, anything. I would play with the same group, true. But 
one of them moved and one of them moved a bit closer but moved and one of them moved also so all of them mm. are living a bit scattered around yeah they are still in some kind of close proximity and maybe once a year we could get together but not like this anymore and yeah. i haven't played season two uh we played now for no we are in february of season zero we played the, oh, we, nice. we failed the prologue actually <laughs> <laughs> it was more difficult because you have yeah. to complete it fully and if you when you go to january and february it's enough if you half complete it so we half completed january and february mm-hmm. and we're moving into march but we haven't played it for now two months and it's actually a review copy sent to me by asmodee so i, I <laughs> But but I said that I can take it, but I'm not sure when I can play because of Corona. Right. But right. we played exactly. for. Exactly. That's made everything hard. Yeah. And I think season zero will be better than season one. The theme is so oh, much better, and they have some things in the game that are worth trying out. Not to spoil anything. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But legacy games are so interesting. I think you make a good point that I think a lot of people go, oh well. It's a legacy game. I can only play it once. And I'm like, well, how? But you're gonna play it twelve to you know. If you're playing one game for each month, and sometimes it's gonna take you two playthroughs mm. to get through that month. You're playing it bare minimum twelve times. I can't think of many other games I'm consistently getting to the table twelve times. If I'm exactly. honest, you know. Exactly. And if you, I just think that the replayability is more than people think it is. Yeah. Um, and we did this uh this legacy season one in a way that we paid it for away. I mean we all contributed so we group bought it. So even the yeah. price is it was like fifteen euros per person or something. So and it's less than one good euro value. per game. Exactly. Yeah. Less than one euro per game per person. And it's pretty good. And for these legacy games it's perfect that you get a group and everyone agrees that we will play this. No matter how expensive the game, you can buy this Clank Legacy, but buy it as mm-hmm. a group. So yeah. there is some kind of uh, commitment from everyone in the group to play it, so that you don't have to leave it in the middle. That's the yeah. problem with Legacy games and campaign games. But it's a really good idea to group buy a game and then play it through and be done with it. That's such good advice, yeah. But yeah, that was... My number one. All right. Uh, wow, our top nine. Pretty good. Yeah, it, it really good lists, both of them. Yeah, they were. I will put these lists up for a battle to uh, Instagram and then share it to Twitter. What do you think of your chances uh, in winning this battle? Oh, hmm. I mean, I feel like I got a lot of classics on my list. So I feel like, uh, you know, people might... People might think that I have the better list full of... I mean, you got some good classics, too. I have no idea. I'll be really <laughs> curious <laughs> to see what people think. We have really different lists, by the way. You have so much variety. I'm stuck with these miniatures and card games in the beginning, and then yeah. I have the variety. But I really don't know. Both lists are really good. They are And good. these are really personal lists. Yeah, So can we are. evaluate them? Can we yeah. say that one is better than the other? We might not be able to, yeah, because you're right, they are really personal. And I really, I mean, just about everything you said on your list, I was like, oh, yeah, that is good, you know? So, (laughs) yeah. 
Now, you didn't have any bad games in, on your list either. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't played be- Betrayal and the House of the Hill, but everything else that I've played or know about are really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, good enough to hook me at least. <laughs> yeah. And it, these are actually good lists for anyone to check and try if they haven't played much. Yeah. Especially if they haven't played much. Yeah, these the, you could you too, listener, could be hooked by any one of these games. Yeah. Although I'm not endorsing Magic the Gathering, <laughs> Gathering Warhammer <laughs> or Blood Bowl in any way or means. <laughs> Stay away from them if you value your <laughs> free time and yeah, your uh, wallet. Economical statu- <laughs> yeah. status. <laughs> That's so true. Oh yeah. Anyway. Thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. It it went a bit long, but anyway, it's been a really good. good yeah, we chat had a lot and, of good stuff to say. <laughs> and we had really good lists. I'm really happy yeah. with the lists. Good. Me too. Yeah. I don't know when this will be out, but when this will be out, uh, if people want to find you from somewhere, where can they find you from? Yeah, so if you're interested in seeing my board game sketch comedy, just head over to YouTube and just type in Things Get Dicey, should pull it up. You can also follow me on Twitter at Things Get Dicey, or you can follow my personal Twitter to see all the other things I'm doing, which is at Paula Deming, which is P-A-U-L-A-D-E-M-I-N-G. And that'll show you just all the variety of things. So find me on Twitter. All right, so people go and find Paula because her jokes and sketches are quite good at least in my opinion i like the humor and the writing and the filming and you do a good work with your partner i think in some of them at least you mentioned at some point they are really well done thank you i mean the directions and these other choices are very well designed so people if you want to see short quality comedy I don't know about the <laughs> quality of the comedy, but the quality <laughs> well, well made comedy. You might or might not the like it. The video quality it. is good. <laughs> yeah, Will you yeah, think the yeah. jokes are funny? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but go go and look. Take a look. And you will see Paula in many places in the future, I think, in streaming and everywhere. But let's let Paula free <laughs> currently. <laughs> I will go to sleep and... Yes, it's late we'll where you are. <laughs> yeah, it's past midnight already. Woo! So, we'll say bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud with username Mita Pelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point. And it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username MitaPelataan. There's a page in Facebook, MitaPelata, and you can just search by MitaPelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelataan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. 
You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching Mitapelataan. You can send me email to mitapelataan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in Boardgame Geek number 3320. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And if you listen this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sensent Pulse. Thank you for that.